Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. You guys can have a seat. It's so good to be with all of you. We have some Glory family members traveling this weekend, which made room, thankfully, for all of you high schoolers. Thank you guys. Like, it has been an honor getting to know y'all. Thank you for doing all the work on Thursday, for real. All right, thank you. Uh, I don't know if you follow us on social media, but at the end, they spent time praying for our church. And it was just, it was, it was beautiful hearing uh, them pray for you, hearing them pray for our city. And so I am excited to be with you guys uh, this morning. Um, yeah, people are making room. It'll, it'll happen. There, it's one of those like loaves and fish moments where like, do we have enough chairs? And it just keeps coming. And so we're like, oh, we do. We do have enough chairs. Um, so I am excited for this morning. Honestly, uh, the cool part is those who have always been obstructed by the poles, you now have a TV to look at. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, yeah, woo! Some of you are like, I don't know what you just said, Greg. I can hear you, but I can't read it. Uh, so I am sorry about the polls, uh, but I am honored to be with you. Uh, we are in week two of a new series, and honestly, uh, this is for all of you. Maybe you're stepping in and you're giving God a chance, an opportunity. You're like, I've never wanted to be a part of a church. I've never wanted to step into this, but I'm giving you a chance. This morning's for you. Maybe some of you are like, okay, God, like I've really, I, I, I have this hunger to know you more and I want to dive in. This is for you. This morning, some of you, uh, maybe you're like, I, I'm getting glimpses of my calling and I want to like, I want to dive in. This, this morning's for you. Those of you who are struggling with uh, lies from the past, maybe abuse from the past, maybe you're struggling with relational issues right now, can I just tell you this morning is for you. We're talking about hearing the voice of the Lord. We're talking about how do you decipher, how do you distinguish, how do you hear the Spirit of God? Because He's not a silent God, right? Like, He is not a silent God at all. And so we're diving into uh, what it looks like to hear the voice of the Lord. And so I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, but we're in a series called Moving Forward, and it's been all about spiritual growth, all right? Oh, just taking what God is doing and saying, I'm not okay. I'm not content with my, my understanding of you right now, Jesus, but I want to grow to know you more. Literally, we just sang about it, to know you more, to be deeper, to, 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 to give up more, to surrender more. Like, I want, I want to know you more. And so that's been the whole series uh, so far. And last week, if you were with us, I had a cool little whiteboard. Hey, g- give me a, like a little shout if you were with me with the whiteboard. Yeah. For those who could not see it, because I did not think about it until I set it up last week, that there was a whole like area and you know, a whole population of people who were like, I don't see a whiteboard, Greg. Uh, so I am sorry, but this is what it was on. We dove deep last week into 2 Peter chapter 1, and it's a little confusing, but I used a little whiteboard. So there's a lot going on. But as you can see, the, Peter's like, hey, I just want you to know that the point of knowing God is in the middle so that you can escape the corruption of the world but participate with him in the divine nature. In other words, like, I think one of the most dangerous things is when we think knowing God is to better my life. That's a, that, that's a good thing, but that's not the reason. Or knowing God is to fix my problems. Eh, that's a good, but that's just not the full thing. Or knowing God is so that I can fill in the blank. No, 
We know God, the reason is so that we can participate in his nature. He wants to do life with us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to, he wants to love others with us. And it's just this beautiful image. And so I told you that though that's the end result, first, uh, second Peter goes deep. It's like, hey, through the knowledge of God, through understanding who God is, you've been given everything, right? You remember I told you that? And in everything is all of his goodness, all of his greatness. But too many times we get stuck there right? And if you see at the bottom, when we get stuck just knowing God on this basic level of salvation, we can quickly experience shame because we don't lean into his promises. And so I, I mapped this out for you. I wanted, you could take a picture of it. This is the image of what was on that, you know, way nicer up here. I was struggling with the whiteboard last week. But as we step in and we know his goodness and his greatness, we start hearing and discovering his promises written in scripture and they become real to us. And as we believe his promises through his promises, we start actually saying, oh, wow, I can have peace in this moment. Oh, wow. Like I can step out in authority and love, even though I don't feel like it. But that's through his goodness and glory. And often we just are like, God, I just want to be good. And he's like, no, I'm good. Lean in with me. And so it's just, we, we dove into that. But I will tell you, this morning is sort of a part two, because I've noticed something. All right, this is a slide if you want to take notes. Right, if there is a disconnect in experiencing God's nature, I'll pause on that first. Have you ever had a disconnect in experiencing peace? Anyone? You're like at work and you just don't feel good. <laughs> if, you, if there's ever a disconnect in you experiencing what God gives, joy, hope, love, discipline, energy, strength, if you feel that there's a disconnect, it might be found in our struggle to distinguish and submit to his spirit's voice. Because he has given us everything needed, but often we don't want to listen to what we actually need. Anyone else? Like, I have children. I got four of them. I know what they need. They think they know what they need. And then you're talking to them and they will not listen to you when you try to explain what they actually need. And you're just like, okay, you know better. I feel like God's like that with us. We don't distinguish his voice. We don't submit to his authority. And so we're missing out on the, ab the ability to experience his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, oh, oh, right? We miss that. And it's because we struggle to decipher his voice we struggle. Jesus says like, uh, and we'll get into John a lot. Are you guys ready to dive into the book of John? Whew, there's a lot. But Jesus will say in John, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And my sheep follow me and they know my voice. They know my voice. And so I'm the good shepherd, but my sheep follow me because they know my voice. I don't know about you, but I want to I growingly know the voice of Jesus, right? Anyone else? Like, I want to growingly know Jesus's voice because he still speaks. And honestly, the last few moments of his life, if you know, like, he was betrayed, right? John writes it perfectly, beautifully. Chapter 13 of John, he gets betrayed. He washes the disciples' feet. He washes Judas's feet, and then he gets betrayed. And in chapters 14, 15, and 16, Jesus uses those last few moments to talk about the Spirit who will do the rest of the teaching. Literally, he, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know that I'm going to go. And they're like, wait, where are you going? Can we go with you? Like, what are you doing? Well, where are you going? 
He said, I'm going to go and I'm not going to speak anymore to you in person. But the father is sending the counselor, the advocate, so that he can. He will teach you. So we're going to dive into that, all right? We're starting in, G, uh, in Jesus. Anyway, in uh, John chapter uh, 16, verse 5. Cut myself off with this Jesus. Uh, he says, Jesus says, but now I'm going to him who sent me the Father. Yet none of you asks me where are you going. But it's because, I, because I've said these things to you, your heart is filled with sorrow. They're like, whoa, 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 where are you going? Where are you going? Chapter 14 is this beautiful time, like right before this, where he drops the bomb of, hey, I'm going and you can't go with me, but I'm preparing a place. And they're like, what? What? Why are you going? And so their hearts are filled with sorrow. In verse 7, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage that I leave you. For if I don't go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I do go, I will send him. Uh, Earlier, he says the advocate, the Holy Spirit. Maybe your translation says the counselor. He will come, the Holy Spirit. He says, but if I do go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove, maybe some of your translations, he will convince the world, uh, the world wrong about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. And that's confusing. Let me explain it. He says, sin, sin, because they do not believe in me. In fact, the Holy Spirit will convince people. They will, he will speak to people of their unbelief. That's the way, like, it's powerful. The Holy Spirit speaks of our unbelief. Do you ever talk uh, with, with someone who's a, who's a believer and they're speaking, they call you out on your lack of belief and it just hits you a different way? Like, it's sin. Like, the, the Holy Spirit speaks and convinces us of our unbelief. But he continues, he's like, about righteousness because I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm going away. And so literally what he's saying is the Holy Spirit will now start verbally speaking my image of righteousness so that you know who I am. It's so beautiful. Have you ever like talked with someone and they explain it's the blonde, it's about like this high and she's like, she's pretty tall and they explain, they try to put a word picture. That's what the Holy Spirit does, but in the most powerful of ways with Jesus's righteousness. I will convince the people of his righteousness. And the last one, I will convince them of judgment because like the ruler of this world has been condemned. He, he's, not, he's, not, he's not all that he thinks he is. He's been condemned. He's lost. He's lost the battle both now and forever. And so these three things are true, but he continues. Verse 12, he says, I still have so many things to say to you. Can you imagine Jesus? Like, I, still, I want to tell you more. I want to tell you more. But he's like, but none of you can bear it right now. Like, you're just sad. You're just sad. So he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he won't speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I think the most dangerous thing we can ever do is say that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak. Because when we say the Holy Spirit doesn't speak, we say that we will not learn all that he hears. And you're like, what, what is all that he hears? He hears everything that is God's. Like, we can't understand God if the Holy Spirit doesn't speak. And so he does in powerful ways, but he continues, and he's like, all that the Father has is mine. For that's the reason that I said that the Spirit will take what's mine and speak it 
to you. This passage literally boasts of the Trinity's work. Do you know anything about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit because honestly, I think we don't hear the Spirit because we have a wrong opinion of Jesus. We have a wrong opinion of God the Father. And so then we've downgraded the work of the Spirit. And we don't even believe who he really is because the Spirit, he only speaks of Jesus. He only speaks the will. And if we have a wrong opinion of Jesus, then we're, it's going in one ear and out the other when the Spirit speaks. If we have a wrong opinion of the will of the Father or we want the will to be our will, he, the Spirit will say one thing to our heart and it'll go out the other way. Because he, he only testifies, glorifies to the Son. It's powerful. One of my favorite things to teach is actually the, the nature of the Trinity. I was in small group. And uh, if you know our small group, it is a lot of fun, and it's a lot of crazy at times, and, and it's grown and changed uh, a lot. But there was uh, a woman, she brought up the, the confusion of the Holy Spirit, and I saw my wife eye me because it was already like 8.02, and we were like, try to end by 8. Uh, it was 8.02, and she was like, you better not get started, because I'm like, I'm st- I had to like, oh. Because she's talking about how confusing the Holy Spirit is. And I'm like, I love teaching about the Holy Spirit. And and she's talking about how confusing the Trinity is. And I'm like, I love teaching about the Trinity. And Kate was just like, we'll save it for a different time. We'll save it. But when I was a youth pastor, one of my favorite things to do was to take the complexity of the Spirit, the Father, the Son, and to understand, like, The reason we struggle to know God is because we do not seek to know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And like, and you're like, ah, that sounds, no, I promise as we get into this, they are one but different. And it's powerful. The Godhead is so needed to be understood if we're going to participate with the Godhead. Because there's three great things that we get to participate with. A father who loves us, a son who died for us, a spirit who brings it to completion in us. Like, we can't, we can't miss on that. So I'll get into it a bit, all right? I get really excited about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit explaining it. You take some notes later, but I just want to like first drop a, uh, a little truth bomb for you uh, because Jesus had just said that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truths, right? Here's the truth bomb. He said the Holy Spirit only speaks what he hears. That's interesting. And then he says like everything that is mine, he will declare. You see, The Spirit only speaks what He hears. It begs me to ask the question of who's the one talking? And then when it's who's the one talking, I now need to know, like, what is the perspective of the one talking? Like, what is is that one focused on? Because what the Spirit speaks is what He hears. And often we we, we miss out on this, so I will explain it a little bit more. Uh, Often we call God silent, but I think we call Him silent because we want Him to talk about what we want to hear. Do you, do you hear? The, the Spirit only talks about what He hears, but we want Him to talk about what we want. Does that make sense? And so, like, th- there's a big difference. In fact, how many of our prayers, like, it's good to, to present fears, concerns, worries to the Lord. But how many of our conversations with the Lord would, could the Spirit hold the script of and say, you have the wrong main character in this? Your main character is your fear. Or your main character is your sin. Or your main character is you and your path. 
I only speak the main character of the Father. I only lead you into understanding the Son. You want to understand the best way to use your money for you. I speak the best way to use the money for the kingdom. Because I, I, so I'm saying it, but you're not hearing it. And so this is, this is what I mean. The Spirit only speaks what He hears, and He only hears the Father's will. He only hears the display, the character of the Son. And if we want Him to approve of other character, you're going to get a lot of silence. Does that make sense? Does that, are, we, are you with us? That's a truth bomb for you. Like the nature of God, uh, we need it. I wrote this down if you want to write it. If we want to hear the voice of the Lord or the guidance of the Spirit, then we need to start asking what he is focused on. What he is focused on. So present your cares to the Lord because he is, he's faithful to hear of them. But God, in this thing that I'm afraid of, what are you seeing? In this thing that I'm like concerned about, like what are you thinking about it? Because I, I know what I'm thinking and I want to direct you to everything that I'm thinking about it, but what are you thinking about it? Does that make, it's so simple but if you're wondering why he's being silent, it's because you're like, hey, God, come over to my perspective. And he's like, no, Greg, come over to my perspective. Because, like, I have the keys to this. I have given you everything needed for life and godliness, right? It's not the other, other way around. And so we have to ask, go, oh, Lord, what are you focused on? So we're going to get into the nature of the Trinity. Are you right? Are you ready? Here if we want to understand the nature of the God that we get to participate with, we got to understand what he's focused on. So let's talk the first thing. God the Father. You want to write that down? God the Father. God the Father is the creator God. He, he's seen as the, the, uh, the, the one who wills. When, when Jesus says, I only do the will of my Father. It's throughout Scripture, God the Father is the will. The will of God. Often it's seen as outside of time. All right, some of you who are like, what? God the Father is almost always dictated outside of the realm of time. Meaning from the before you were created, God willed for you to be his. That's God the Father. Before you were created, God willed for you to be his. Like it's outside of time. Does that make sense? So there's God the Father who is the creator of all things. He's, he's beautiful. He desires. He plans. And he's outside of time. He's the designer. He's the decree maker. But then there's God the Son. And this is so powerful. I, I love explaining this to students. The decree maker has made the decree once the decree leaves the mouth of the maker, Jesus. Jesus is God who steps into real time to be the word of God in real time. So that means like when you see the burning bush, how Jesus is a part of the whole Testament is because when God makes his self known in real time, that's Jesus, the word that became flesh. That's John's word. He was with God in the beginning and, and God is the word and the word was with God, right? And they were in the beginning. Why? Because Jesus, the son is the word of God made flesh. And so you want to understand it that way, like, the Father decrees, Jesus is the decree. That's literally why he says, I only do what my Father wills. Why? Because I'm the display of his will. I am the, you, we'll get into this in a minute. The last one though, the Spirit, I love this. The Spirit 
takes the decree of the Father, like I get all nerdy on this, the Spirit takes the decree of the Father, the spoken will and the word displayed in Jesus, and the Spirit brings it to completion. Now I need you, the word completion is what I need you to know with the Spirit. The Spirit takes God's will, he takes what Jesus brought into real time, and he finalizes it. He finishes it. He does it. And so let me explain this to you. Like he takes the logos, right, the word of God, and he brings it and carries it into fruition into every believer, everywhere, all over creation. The Lord, the Lord, our spirit, the Lord, the spirit, he takes the father's will with the son made possible and says, I'll make it complete. That's the beauty of what we, here's an, exp, uh, an example for you. Jesus saw, God saw, the Spirit saw that humanity had to leave the garden. They sinned. The Father wills, I want them back. Once that decree was made, set in motion the Son coming in person. The, in the moment that he came, the word became flesh. And so Jesus then made it possible by being the, the innocent one that was slain on the cross. The only way to do it was for God himself to take the punishment of man. So he decreed and Jesus did. But now Jesus is like, you don't want me here anymore because I need me, the spirit, to bring what I've done on the cross through the resurrection to completion in every one of you that the Father's will may be complete in you. Does this make sense? And so he's, I'm going so that the Spirit can come. And once the Spirit comes, all he will say is my Father's plan, my Father's will, and all he will teach, all he will dictate is the character that I lived with, the image of myself. Does that make sense? And this is what happens when we get those mixed up. This is what happens is, is we end up skewing one of the natures of God. And then we live in shame because we won't participate with him. We live in doubt because we won't participate in it with him. We live in fear, in sin, in addiction because we won't participate with it in, or in it with him. And so, like, I'll tell you, we don't seek to grow our understanding of relationship with the, the, the Godhead. And so we struggle to hear as the Spirit talks about the Godhead. Uh, in our postmodern world, I'll give you an example of this. I'm counseling uh, a couple right now um, who is really okay with the idea of a creator God. Have you ever noticed, like, our, our postmodern world is okay, like, with a God that's distant? Like, okay, cool, God. I mean, that's, that's why, like, I'll, I'll, I'll take the God of, of this. I'll take Buddha over here. And it just postmodern world's okay with a distant God. There's some in the postmodern world that are even okay with the spiritual world. Maybe a God that's a spirit. But have you noticed there's a reason when we say Jesus that all hell breaks loose? Right? Like, it's because if we really wanted to know the spirit... All he would say would be the word of God as dictated in Jesus. It's really interesting. The, the, the world like loves this idea of, of God outside and spirits around, but will not submit to the Bible, which is the word of God. And so there's no salvation because Jesus says, I am the way. 
Not God that's distant because God the Father is one with me and I'm the way. Not the spiritual realm that you think. No, the spirit only testifies me and I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's really interesting, though, because uh, we don't want the authority of Jesus. Some of you, you think you do, but you don't. And the reason you won't hear the Spirit talk is because we have a hard time with the authority of Jesus. Another way I can say it is you have a hard time with the authority of the Word of God. That is Jesus. That is Jesus. It's interesting. Uh, this is a little nugget you can write down. I've been reading Mere Christianity again by C.S. Lewis, and I love it. He just like, boom. He just piles it down. How our thinking, we, we like to chalk Jesus up as a moral man, right? Like the, the world says Jesus was a good guy. Like he, he was a good teacher. But in all reality, if we took the blinders off of that statement and saw what Jesus did, the dude only talked about himself. He only talked about following him, eating his flesh. Like, if anyone did that in our world, we would say narcissist, dangerous, immoral man. You see, there's a reason that the enemy wants to blind our perspective of Jesus because that is the understanding that the Spirit brings. How we get my lead is because I learned to know Jesus. How I get my, my, my hope at home. How I am I'm a man. How I, how I lean in to be a better husband. It's not because I learned all these traits that are good characteristics. No, it's because the Spirit tells me who Jesus is. The, the, I know the will of the Father, and I follow in suit. The will of the Father is not Greg's flesh will. And so it's really powerful. If we want to hear from God, we got to dive into it. But the truth bomb that I said... I got one little next little thing about uh, how or why the Spirit speaks or to decipher it. And then we're going to dive into very clearly four ways that he does speak. All right. So that, that's a little direction. I gave you the truth bomb uh, earlier already that, that he's only speaking what he hears. And many times you don't hear it because you want him to say something else. Right. I said that. But this next idea, like I need you to realize we often call, we take the word guide that Jesus calls the Spirit, and we diminish the value of what that actually means. Some of, like, I'll give an example. We want him to guide us into every decision upon everything, and, and we think it's an all or nothing. Like, I, I need you to, like, what, what step do I take? Uh, those who are uh, high school students, any seniors in the room, I got these three colleges. What college do I go to? And then we get hung up on the God of all gods telling us which decision to make. And we feel plagued by it. We feel we have these three men that I really love. Like they're all awesome. They're all godly men. Which one do I date? And we just like get stuck. Or like I got three houses that are awesome. Which one God is your will? And we, we talk, talk about the Spirit's guidance of leading us into his will as this like very directed and narrow thing. Now listen, the path that we walk is narrow, but the will of God is wide. Does that make sense? Like, the path that you walk is narrow, but the will of God is stretches far beyond what you can think. But we say, okay, God, like, 
these two job opportunities. Which one do you want from me? Spirit, why aren't you speaking? Like, talk to me, teach me, guide me. I just want, which one so that I can do it? Anyone ever been there? And you're like, why is he silent? I just want to know what to do, God. Tell me what to do. It's because we've diminished his role as the guide in that moment. Can I tell you why? Because you've been given in the will of the Father by what the work of the Son has done. You've been given the mind of Christ, Paul says. You've been given the mind of Christ, which means Jesus walked the roads and knew that was a leper that I need to heal. Why? God didn't say, he wasn't like, I'm not going to move unless you tell me to move. He knew the will of the Father, so he did it perfectly. You see, this, Jesus wasn't like, Father, like, do I move this leg first or this one? Think of how debilitating that would be. Jesus says I, he knew the will of the Father, and then all of the opportunities were there to take in. It's a very different mindset. In other words, like, you know the, the scripture that says, the, we just taught our kids this, the word of God is a lamp unto your feet. Can I tell you what, what the spirit of God, the word of God, the Father God is not? He's not a puppeteer. He's not a puppeteer. So he won't pull a string to make you step. I was so sorry. I just, I just scared the crap out of them. I'm sorry. He won't pull a string to make you step. Instead, the word of God, hearing the voice of the Lord, is a lamp at our feet so that now I can see when clarity, hey, there's a stump there. I don't want to trip. Hey, this way is wide. Hey, there's trash there. I should pick it up and throw it away because that doesn't need to be there. Because when the light is on my feet, it... Now I can say, oh, I can do all of these things, right? Like I can go any direction because the light is there and there's no obstruction there. The word of God does not say, hey, go there, go there, do that, do that. Don't do there, don't. That's dangerous. And so like I just, God is not a puppeteer. The word of God is a lamp at our feet so that we may walk freely. We may walk freely. But again, like what is the lamp unto your feet? The word. How many of you know the word? Okay, uh, so you see, if we constantly, though, get fixated, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> Gabby's like, he's, you. <laughs> uh, if we get fixated on asking God, like, for details, and we do it, like, honestly, you senior in the room, you got some awesome colleges in the way. The question isn't, God, what is your desire? What is your will? The question is, can I do your will in all three of those? If the answer is yes, then you get to decide. If all the boys are great, and you know three boys that are great, and you're like, they all love you, Jesus. The question is, oh, right. they all love you. The question is not, God, which is the one that you will for me? It's, which one can you worship me with? Like, which, right, which one can you do my will with? If there's two out of the three, kick them to the side and pick your best one. Like, you, you get to decide. If you can glorify God in both houses, if you can do the will of the Father in both houses, then stop being debilitated by asking him what to do and just do his will while you do it. Does that make sense? It's a very difference. It's a very big difference. Okay, so, because this is what will happen. One of two things. One, I will halt my maturity. I will constantly doubt myself and fear failure. Some of you have been there. You're like, God, I just, I want you to tell me the will, your will for my life. You know, there's like very clear wills in scripture. Be thankful in all ways. This is the will of God in you. Like love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with your soul and your strength. Like there is clear what is my will for you in scripture. 
But we get debilitated. It halts our maturity. If we constantly say, Jesus, which way? What is the best? Jesus, what is the best? He's like, I've given you the mind of me <laughs> to tell you, to, for you to decide what is the best. Or else you're going to like constantly fear that you're going to fail if you don't choose the right thing. Our God's not like that. And the second one that will happen if we don't is we become dependent on the answer, making us an easy target for other voices. Now, you become dependent. So this is the hard thing is like I, when we were in the waiting period for this building on Troost, uh, I had to be very careful about my questions to the Lord. I had to stop asking, God, is this your will for us to be in this building? And I had to keep it, I had to say, God, if it's not your will, close the door. Because I'm going to keep moving forward because it's dangerous if I become dependent on an answer at every step. Why? Because then other voices will start speaking. Other spirits. Uh, John, 1 John 4, do you remember when we went into it? And it was like any voice that doesn't submit to uh, the authority of Jesus, any voice that, that is not uh, concerned with Jesus, it is the spirit of an antichrist. And you remember when I told you, like, some of you are really weird about the word spirit? It's just, just a refresher. The word spirit, uh, if you want to put that up, means uh, way of thinking, attitude, disposition, and evil spirit. All together. So when you become dependent on an answer before you decide to move, how many of you have realized that you start getting an attitude with people? Anyone else? God, why aren't you doing this for me? And you're like, what? Where did that come from? It's because if you're being dependent on an answer, another voice will come. And it'll be an attitude that is more in line with the Antichrist. An attitude of resentment, bitterness, a way of thinking that makes you as the, the ruler or the decider of all things. Or it's a disposition that is a little bit like arrogant. You see, as we wait and not submit, other voices start happening. But there is a way to wait and work, right? There's a way to wait on the Lord and make sure that in the moment, like, I'm still doing your will, God. There's still people to attend. There's still people to love. And I will not let an angry way of thinking dictate me right now. So as we close, I got four things. They're just really quick, I promise. Four ways that the Spirit speaks. If you follow us on Instagram, we're going to do a whole week on this, all right? Throughout the week, I'm just going to be posting about these. These are three ways. Now that we know, like, what God talks about, what the Spirit speaks on, why He speaks it, Here's how he speaks. Are you ready? Number one, write this down, uh, the word of God. Like, I just need you to write that down. The word of God. The word of God. Many of you, you're not hearing the Spirit, and it's because the Spirit only speaks what he hears, and the only thing he hears is the words of God. Does that make, like, very practically... Now, there's, there's differences of this. There's the logos word of God, the written word of God. The, the word became flesh. The logos became flesh. Jesus. Know the Bible. But it's powerful. You also see in scripture the word rhema in Greek. It's really cool. It's the, uh, the active listening of God. It's like the active voice of the Lord. Like it says when scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's rhema, hearing by the spoken word of God. In other words, he rhemas when you have the logos in you. That's when, when I'm walking and I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. And he's like, hey, 
I must be prepared. I'm up against far more than I can handle on my own. That's rhema. That's the active word of God. Anyone ever like known, don't know what to do or you're at this random place and a, ver- a verse from your past comes up? That is logos turning into rhema and that's the word of the Lord speaking. Like it's powerful when he does it. When he takes this and it's not your thinking anymore. It's the Lord thinking with you. He's partnering with you. And it's powerful. The logos becoming the rhema, it comes all the time. Another one, the still small voice. Where uh, Elijah's in the, um, in the cave, depressed, angry, fire happens, an earthquake happens. It's, it, you're like, what? First Kings 19. Write it down. You can read it. And then a still small voice comes. And all the other times he's like, God wasn't in the fire. God wasn't in the earthquake. But God was in the still small voice. I can understand, I can make it sense, there's many ways. It is the inside understanding, the direction of the Spirit. You just know, like you walk into a room and you just feel peace. Still small voice spoke. You know what I mean? You just, you, you had that conversation, you walk away, you wrestle a little bit, but then peace. Still small voice. Where there's nothing but God is. Does that make sense? Like, that's the beauty. Or you're like making a decision and you don't know what to do, but you're just like, peace. You know, that's the still small voice. He leads us in peace. He guides us in it. A still small voice often comes from our thoughts or invitations or discernment. Some of you, you you can pick out the bad guy like nobody's business. That's a still small voice. Like, you're like, I don't feel peace with them. I don't feel peace. Still small voice. Number three, though, and this is when we start looking up. The still small voice will never speak what the word of God doesn't. Does this make sense? It sort of works up. So if you hear a still small voice, and it's not really still, and it's not really small, but it's a voice, you might want to say, hey, is this the word of God? Because that voice might need to go. All right? So as we travel down, people, God also speaks through people. I believe that as Gabby was up here speaking about your past, some of your childhood experiences, the word of God was being spoken. The spirit was using people. He does that. Now, it's interesting. You have to work up. Have you ever said something with you and it just, it didn't sit right with you? It's because it was a war with the still small voice. And then if you travel up even more, you're like, oh, that's actually contrary to scripture. That wasn't God speaking. That was a man's agenda. That was a man's fears. That was a man's worries. Godly men can still speak from fear, all right? Like, know that. You don't discredit someone just because of that, but do know, like, be aware. A godly man can still speak from fear or insecurities. I've had to apologize many times. Like our slide people, sometimes I speak from frustration to them, and I, like, text them afterwards, I am so sorry. That was me and not Jesus. That was, like, there, there was a still small voice called my wife that said, Jesus is mad at you for that. And you know, like, you need to not do that again. Yeah, so, and then the word of the Lord, you know, treat everyone with respect. It all comes. I'm like, okay, that was not right. A last one, though, is dreams, visions. He speaks audibly. Our, our girl, Gabby, does a whole, uh, she... Marte uh, on YouTube. She has a whole video, Gabby, our worship director, and uh, she has one about 
the ways that the Spirit speaks. And I love this. She's like, he does speak audibly. And then she like had a slow motion where she was like, do not search for voices. Do not search for voices. And she, it was, it was funny. But this is, I put it at the bottom because it's a dangerous thing to search for voices because we have an internal spirit of God. It's a dangerous thing to search for an audible voice of the Lord because he, he's within us, but he does speak audibly. He speaks in dreams and visions. And again, you have to work up. Most dangerous thing you can ever do with a dream or a vision is skip the fact that people need to be told about it to help you walk through it. And then after that, you, you're, the still small voice of the Lord confirms. He makes sense of it. And then it always has to go back up to the word of God. If you have a dream or a vision that is contrary to the word of God, then it's not from the, uh, the Lord. But obviously, like, you can skip this people thing and jump up here and make crap out of the word of God, right? So that's why it's so important to understand, like, when God gives me a vision, the vision is never for myself. It's always for his kingdom. So I'm going to let the kingdom in on it. I'm going to tell it because they can check me. They can help me. Then the still small voice feels either confirmed or not. No, that was a wrong interpretation, but I'm still seeking what God means in this. And it always must fall in line with the word of God. Does that make sense? Cool. That was a lot. Woo. I'm going to tell you right now that the Lord has been trying to be, he's been trying to speak to you for a long time. And there are so many things that you're focusing on that are not of him. There are so many things that you want him to direct you with when he's like, do my will in any of them. There are so many things. And so if we ought to actually hear the voice of the Lord, we got to submit some of those. Jesus, I'm going to submit to your authority. I'm going to submit to the authority of the world, the, the word. Uh, like, honestly, think about it. The things that you don't like about the word, how many of you harbor them inside? It's the worst thing to do. Talk them out. Lead, like, speak them out. Wrestle with the word of God so that you can hear his intent, his heart. And so, God, I just pray right now that you would be very clear. There are some people in this room that need to stop sitting down asking which way to go, and they need to actually use your word, Jesus, what is implanted in them. They need to accept it with meekness, like James says. Accept the fact that they have your word in you, in them, and they need to get up off the chair and just walk. Choose a place. Go to it. That was the best the best discernment, the best uh, counsel that we ever got, my wife and I, Jesus, I thank you for Jason Lanker who told me, stop acting like a location will determine that you're called to go to it. And we're like, but we need, we know we got to plan a church. And Jesus, you spoke so vividly. You said through Jason, go to a city and walk like you are the pastor. Step into it. And Jesus, we walked into Kansas City. And you said, yes, this is it. So God, I just pray for the, the immobile people in the room that they will see that your word is a lamp at their feet. Because God, I know a puppeteer and it is the enemy. The enemy will want to tell them everything to do, everywhere to go. If they're looking for a, a, a voice, they will find it in him.
He is a puppeteer, but you are not Jesus. So God, I pray for freedom in the room. I pray that people would let go. I pray that people would surrender to your authority, Jesus. Pray that people would get over their, uh, the stabs of the past when it comes to the things of God. The stabs of the past when it comes to how godly people have done wrong with the word of God. And they will actually say, God, I submit to you. Spirit, speak. Pray that marriages are healed because you speak, Spirit. To you be the glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.